confidence on its own. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between like natural confidence that's coming from an internal well mm -hmm. that is there to confidence that is put on. Mm -hmm. And when you're around people who are putting on their confidence and really like pushing themselves out, mm -hmm. that is really that is really draining. Yeah. But it, when you're with people who are naturally confident. Yeah, my lucky number actually. Uh, this is the podcast where we talk about days when you dare to be yourself. Uh, all kinds of identity matters, uh, things like self-confidence, self-awareness, how to be you and how to find your place in the life. And today, today is actually International Women's Day. Uh, I did. <laughs> I did recognize this. And, and this here's, is the day. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and we the have third also, woman on the, the podcast. The third woman on the podcast is here with us too. Oh, hey, Mura. <laughs> I got excited. I <laughs> So, um, and today I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy to introduce you guys to uh, my very special guest, uh, Sarah, Hello, who is everybody. also uh, a very special and very good friend of mine. Um, and so, <laughs> and here's my co-host, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I like that as soon as you started, yes. she's like, it's my time. Yeah, she uh, she likes to remind us who is the boss in the house. Yeah, yeah. I'm humbled by your presence. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Sarah and I met about I want to say I a, two years ago. A year and five months. A year and five months. Oh wow! It, you see, to me, it felt like longer than. I know. It's been. I mean, it's been a lifetime. <laughs> sometimes it's so interesting how sometimes you meet people and you feel right away. Well, I've, I've known you for longer than that. I think we just like shook hands across the office and decided to be friends one day and then never spoke exactly. until we did a photo shoot. Exactly. And then we were like, okay, this is the beginning. It is, it, it is so interesting. And I, um, the more I think about different connections in my life, the more appreciation I have to those um, instances when... You just meet a person and you realize, well, this is my person. Okay, this thank is like, you. We're gonna I will stay. take you. Yeah. <laughs> Good. It, isn't isn't that fascinating? Yeah. How um, either you become chosen or you choose, but re regardless, it's like it it this connection, this friendship meant to be. Yeah. Um, I really felt when I moved to the city, all of my friends chose me without knowing to in the first couple of months. Mm -hmm. People literally like came into my path. We said not at each other. Said okay. Yeah. And they have been some of my closest friends since I've been here. So let's uh, let's um, let's start from here actually. Okay. So you moved to New York, and yes. moving to New York is always very interesting because so many people dream about moving to New York, coming to New York, living here. And not all of those people know about the struggles and difficulties of becoming yeah belong becoming belonging becoming part of the city well i never dreamt of moving to new york no never neither did i neither <laughs> it it just i have no idea how i ended up here there is people <laughs> there is so many people that i know that have dreamt longingly about new york they watch, exactly like 
Sex in the City or like every other movie or TV show that has ever mm -hmm. been created about this beautiful city. And they just put it on a poster and stare at it and dream about the day that they could even just visit. Yeah. I didn't even think of coming here for a holiday. Wow. I just, it wasn't on my map. But all. did you feel um, it was, how did you feel when you moved here? I feel like, honestly, I feel like New York chose me or the universe just picked me up and was like, excuse me, you're in the wrong place. And this is like, it was just like a little bit of a redirection. Mm -hmm. Like I'm thinking, you know, like almost like a pinball machine of like, oh, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I'd been planning to move to London for so long, or just Europe in general. Mm -hmm. And I was going and I was going until one day I woke up and I was like, nope, New York is the place. And the day that I decided to move to New York, um, I was with I was with my now ex-boyfriend and his mum. Mm -hmm. She was dropping us at the airport. Mm -hmm. And I had never mentioned New York to anybody in my life. And I'd woken up, it was the 1st of January, 2017, 2017. 18 mm -hmm. literally the first day of the year and as she dropped us at the airport she said she literally got up in the car mm -hmm. turned around was like mm -hmm. sarah what are you doing here you need to be somewhere like new york and i wow. just it was so crazy um she's like also a very connected kind of she knows what's happening in the world yeah, like yeah, a yeah. human being and then i just had a whole plane ride home with my boyfriend going you're moving i'm moving to new york I'm moving to New York and I went home and I was like mom I'm moving to New York and she was like really why okay whatever wow if that's your place told all my friends they were like no you're not mm -hmm. and people were like it's hard yeah yeah it and was, it was, it was hard, hard probably it was right hard but mm -hmm. having like an unwavering sense of conviction of like that was what I was gonna do yeah no matter what I still don't really know where that came from <laughs> <laughs> but I really feel like I'm supposed to be here in something. something. But I think I think it's better when it's not forced, when totally. things are just happening. And yeah. I think to a lot of people, and a lot of people struggle with that, just allowing life to happen to you as opposed to resisting certain events or trying to force certain events uh, to happen yeah. and, and appear in your life. I mean, it took 10 months. Like mm -hmm. that was January 1st and I arrived on mm -hmm. October 29th. So mm -hmm. it wasn't like I decided and I got on a plane and I left, but mm -hmm. eight months of just being focused on this thing that somehow appeared in my, yeah. in my gut. Yeah. And that's how I ended up here. Wow. Yeah. But you've, I mean, you've lived and I know that you've traveled yeah. a lot. And, like and being out, like I've always been on the move outside of Australia. I think mm -hmm. Australia, I, I probably told you this before, but... Uh, I, Australians are fascinating people because you sit on the edge of a continent like mm -hmm. the whole of Australia is mm -hmm. like almost the size of the US and there's the same amount of people as there is like in Manhattan no, okay in New York State yeah. I think maybe a few more around the outside but we're all like dotted around the outside of this like huge somewhat empty continent mm -hmm. just like kind of like you can imagine like sitting on the edge of a dock like dangling your feet like looking out on the world wishing and wanting and ready to get on the next Mm -hmm. load out of there mm -hmm. um, so being out in the world is like almost where I feel most comfortable knowing that I have Australia to go back to but yeah. it didn't feel like a huge like ripping apart or excursion that was like outside of what I'd kind of already been trained to think about the world yeah I mean and how do you 
I think one one side of it is being born in Australia and spending your childhood yeah. there, right? So you kind of get that mentality and mindset. Um, but also it must have come from the family as well, just allowing that mindset that just opening yourself up to all kinds of opportunities and being free to travel and to choose the place where you yeah. leave and move on to. I mean, my parents always told me that the world was mine. Not mm -hmm. in a sense that like you can have whatever you want and you're deserving of everything, but just that every place that you go is yours as much as another person. And that was for other people too. So knowing that if I go to a place, like it's just my right to be there as somebody else coming from another country, just as it is somebody's right who lives there to be there. So that is so powerful. <laughs> I just, I mean, your parents are just, I mean, it's, it's amazing. Um, I don't know why it is so difficult to so many people to treat and raise their kids the same way with yeah. that mindset. I think if I ever have kids, this is number one thing I yeah. want to teach them. Yeah. And I don't even know if they said it. I do. We definitely had conversations about it, like as we grew up and you can like put yeah. words to things like that. But, you know, whenever we traveled, we traveled a lot through Asia growing up. Uh, some of the more developed parts, some of the more developing parts. And even if we were having a nice family vacation somewhere that was more in the process of developing, mm -hmm. we would make sure we understood where we were. Like we yeah. would go out and meet communities. We would always be doing something to give back to the communities that we were visiting. We weren't just passing through, mm -hmm. but even little things. Like I, I remember the first trip that we ever did to Europe. <laughs> you know, I still use this skill all mm -hmm. the time. When you're like walking around a big city and you need to go to the bathroom and there's not a bathroom anywhere mm -hmm. unless you're like at a restaurant. Yeah. And my mom would just teach us how to walk straight into really nice hotels because they always have the nicest bathrooms and just use the bathroom and it was that sense this of like great. this is my place just as much as is someone who can afford to stay here's place so like on both ends of the scale yeah like recognizing people that aren't as fortunate as us but realizing that it's like a shared experience it's not looking down on them and it's not like stampeding them either mm -hmm. but just as much in places where maybe it's like for more wealthy people whatever they just like all those lines were blurred none yeah. of that mattered it was just people that is great. But now I'm like, now I register what all of those little things, how that is sort of impacted. But those, me. I think those little things are the most important things in forming your identity and your personality. Totally. It's, and, and it only makes sense now for you to be in a place like New York uh, with people from all over the world. Yeah. Um, and feeling that confident and comfortable yeah. being one of them. I'm feeling at home anywhere. Mm -hmm. I remember when I was moving here, London made sense to me because I have family there, I have lots of friends there. It's so, so easy as an Australian. Mm -hmm. You can essentially just rock up. Ish. Okay. Yeah. It's a privileged thing to say. But you can get a visa before you're 31 and just like yeah. take time to work there. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think people, their responses, they were much more comfortable with that because that felt like, okay, mm -hmm. that's a path that lots of people can do from Australia. And as soon as I said, yeah. actually, I'm moving to New York, it was interesting to see people's different reactions, whether that was work or friends. Like, 
You can't just do that. What are you going to do? Just get on a plane. How are mm-hmm. you going to make friends? Where mm-hmm. are you going to live? And as soon as you realize that your home can be anywhere and any place mm-hmm. is for you as much as another person or another place, mm-hmm. then it doesn't really matter. You can go anywhere. That, 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 that is just amazing. <laughs> and what amazing, uh, what I find also amazing is the amount of confidence you've always had. And I've always, I mean, um, I come from a different background, from a different mm-hmm. cultural background. Yeah. And, and it explains a lot of differences. And uh, But besides that, I've had so many confidence issues uh, over the years yeah. that also explain poor choices that I've done made in my life, but I've learned a lot from them. They made you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just they as ma- much as the good yeah, ones. Yeah, 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 exactly. Um, but when I look at um, your generation and the generation, uh, the next generation, uh, the generation after, I, uh, I'm so fascinated by the degree of self-confidence. Just that kind of knowing that this is your right, this is your place, you can do it, there's no like, yeah. But mm-hmm. I think there's a fine line. Is there? Yeah. Between confidence and self confidence and an understanding of like place. There's a big difference between that and entitlement. Mm-hmm. And I think in my generation and the next one mm-hmm. and the next one after that, there is also a lot of people that feel entirely entitled. Uh huh, and there's a difference between between seeing something as your own and being able to kind of own that space between just taking it because you think it's rightfully yours. Yeah, that's a good point. Because a sense of place, I think, comes with the other people within it and recognizing that there's mm-hmm. an exchange and there's other beings, and then the mm-hmm. entitlement is just only seeing yourself in that picture. Or where do you think that sense of entitlement comes from? I think we've been told that we're entitled to things. Yeah. I definitely have felt entitled to things in yeah. my life. And then that's something that you have to were shed you, Were you told through. by the society or, or, or is it media, social media that tells people that they're entitled yeah, to I mean, certain I, behavior? I think we were told that we could have it, anything that we ever wanted, mm-hmm. which is not true. Yeah. Like, it's just not true. There's a give and a take. Um, and there's an exchange that happens. It doesn't mean that you get to keep adding and adding and adding to your pile without giving to somebody else's. Yeah. Um, and I think we grew up like learning that everything was ours. Mm-hmm. And it takes maturity and growth to realize that it that it's not. <laughs> and I see friends who are, I, I, are new, moving to New York is a really good way to distinguish this. Yeah. So. Um, uh, when I moved here, mm-hmm. it was 10 months of work. It was rough. There yeah. was really hard parts. Um, mm-hmm. I worked so hard to get... And to be fair, I'm coming from a place where I had a lot of help. Like I had mm. help at work. I come. I have a job where I can move to New York and there's a job there. Yeah. 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 But I still had to work and work and work. And it's doing things like many, many interviews back to back in a day over the course mm-hmm. of many weeks. And mm-hmm. being on the phone and fighting for people and... I also know people who felt like because a lot of people can come from Australia and get a job easily in our industry that they were also entitled to a job. Yeah. It's a big difference to seeing that New York is a place that I can go and 
do more of me mm -hmm. and that is going to really welcome me if I work for it and thinking I'm entitled to a job yeah. everyone's done it so I can do it too yeah and I've had friends who have come and they've worked just not as hard and they're wondering yeah. why they haven't got jobs mm -hmm. but then you say tell like, tell me like what's happening in a yeah. day yeah. Oh, I went to Florida this weekend I, mm -hmm. I'm doing a road trip over here that is such a good point uh, yeah I did I did one interview I haven't really heard back I'm not really sure about this job um, mm -hmm. you know even just things you look at their their CVs and you think I've got some ideas about how we can mm -hmm. make this like sellable and they're like no no it's fine it, it worked in Australia it'll work here and it's there's entitlement comes with less of a fight Mm -hmm. It comes with more of like a waiting and expecting. Yeah. Also, uh, I, I think there's also laziness involved totally. in this. That's and, the word I'm trying and, to yeah, not say. And, and <laughs> I also, as an artist, I, I mean, I can so relate because a lot of, um, and I've, I've known a lot of people uh, in the art world who, uh, yeah, you paint, yeah, you draw or you take pictures. Yes, you're talented, skilled. You maybe you know your craft well, um, but then what? Yeah, and they're sitting and waiting um, at their workstations or home or desks, etc. Yeah. They're waiting until uh, someone shows up at their doorstep and invite them to be part of this talent agency, or or mm -hmm. uh, you know, all, all of a sudden the agent will find you and and you'll be discovered and you'll be the next top yeah. whatever artist phenomenon. And it's everybody else's problem. Yeah. Until that phone call. Yeah, exactly. And then and then nothing happens. And I keep on telling and um, I've also talked with some young artists recently. And I keep on telling them guys like you gotta you gotta pick up yourself from that dead spot and do something about yeah. it. Like stop being lazy. I can tell people as soon as they sit in front of me when they want help, whether it's to be a strategist, or work in an agency, or whatever, I can just tell mm -hmm. as soon as they sit in front of me whether they're going to make it or not. It has nothing yeah. to do with skill. Nothing. Really? Nothing. And let's talk, well this is interesting, so you work at an agency and you are a strategist, um, so what does, it, what does it mean to be a strategist? What, what, what's the job? <laughs> Tell us. Honestly, I feel like everybody in strategy is having an existential crisis. Really? Yeah. And that was part of the interesting thing is actually when I was looking for a role here. Mm -hmm. Because there are so many definitions of what it means to be a strategist. Mm -hmm. uh, and you can essentially define it on your own. I mean, at its core, it just means there's like this, the hard skills and the soft skills. The hard skills yeah. is like your job is to help a business make decisions and make a plan for mm -hmm. how they present themselves out in the world. In advertising agencies, that was traditionally marketing. So mm -hmm. what is the message? What does it look like, feel like, sound like? What is the trying to thing that you're trying to convey? And then you work with the creative team to make that happen. Yeah. Traditionally, it's like advertising. Um, but strategy as a soft skill is really just a way of thinking and seeing the world. It's mm -hmm. about being really curious. It's about understanding why people think. It's a little bit anthropological in a way. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's just being decisive. Yeah. And just picking a path and helping people or companies or a brand or mm -hmm. a team stick to it. Um, 
as an aside in the advertising industry, people just don't believe in ads anymore. I mean, yeah. you just, our business is not communicating messages, it's making better businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, the more that we keep flogging shitty products. Sorry, I don't know if we yeah. can swear on this, but yeah, we, you can. Can. we just did. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we can't keep selling things that don't work and aren't of value. So yeah. I believe that my role as a strategist is to make better businesses. Mm-hmm. And actually, in practice, that means so many different things these days. The actual output yeah. is just really helping a business see a way through a problem. Can you help any business or other hopeless candidates too? I mean, strategy, strategy has become this immense partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be we would get a, creative, a client brief saying, can you sell this product or sort of sol- solve this yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. high-level issue that we're having? And then you would say, this is how you communicate it. And then they would buy it mm-hmm. and there would be an idea and there would mm-hmm. be a campaign. And now, really, we're just part of the brains of the organization. And so you could only help an organization go so far. Mm-hmm. They have to be willing to implement. Yeah. Um, actually, uh, what, is, what is the age-old quote? strategy without execution is just words yeah but whether they can do it or not it's just so up to the people that work there mm-hmm. how much they're willing to change how much they want to change how yeah how much in need of change they are there are businesses that can succeed and turn things around when they're in a really bad spot and there are businesses that can't mm-hmm. there are businesses the best businesses are always changing and it's not about now or never or do or die it's just a constant yeah it's so interesting um that you mentioned the existential crisis um for strategists uh, because i keep on wondering what what is the future for advertising industry generally speaking and marketing and and uh like what what is it solving problems creatively yeah and not being attached to what the outcome is the biggest problem that we have in advertising right now is we're delivering on a product that no one wants to buy anymore, mm-hmm. which is ads and campaigns. And that's not a solution to a problem. That's like picking a solution without knowing what the problem is. Mm-hmm. And that's how advertising agencies have been structured is based on a specific output. Yeah. And so our solution is to become more like consultants and use the immense creative power that we have in the businesses. Yeah to solve problems in new ways and not be attached to what the outcome is and really think about it. Mm-hmm. Like not think, oh, it has to be a campaign. Like maybe it's a new piece of legislation. Maybe that's the best way that we can solve the problem that we've got. Mm-hmm. So who are we going to pull in to, to do that? Maybe it's a new product, a new brand. Maybe it's, you know, cutting half the business out. That's so great. I think it, it, it sort of opens up the horizon uh, and you can literally use all kinds of tools you want to use yeah which is great yeah isn't that the great time to be in strategy i mean it's great if you're an awakened one and it's terrifying if you're holding if if you're a traditional traditional traditionally trained i guess and i think we're all somewhat trained to get to specific answers and part of the growth is Mm -hmm. just getting getting rid of everything that you know using all the soft skills but mm-hmm. but the output has to be on a 
usually shocks you <laughs> what the actual answer is. So what, what would you, if you were interviewing a person um, to work for you or with you on the team, what would you be looking for as far as the skills? Yeah, I mean, you can teach anyone skills. Yeah. Like you can teach people how to research. You can teach yeah. someone to be decisive. Mm. You can teach someone to solve problems. What I would want in an interview is them to turn it around on me. Yeah. Because I would want someone that is asking the questions, mm -hmm. not presenting me work. Mm -hmm. Because the work doesn't really matter at this point. I think it's a it's it's a very particular mindset of mm -hmm. the questioning, yep. the curious yeah, mindset, I mean, not, right? Not not throwaway questions, like yeah. something that interests me and piqued piqued my interest and maybe something unexpected. Mm -hmm. Also, just coming with a pen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> the amount of people that go to meetings, interviews, coffee chats, without a pen. I know. How much that says about how much you value the other person's time yeah. and what they're, the knowledge they're about to yeah. give you or not give you. I just take a pen even when I go into a boring conversation and I'm like, it's a recognition that we're yeah. going to exchange something. I, I, I agree, but also I can see how a lot of people these days, they, they use tablets and... and like a tablet or something that you're going to absorb. Mm -hmm. I have... I often I like having coffee with people who are trying to get into the industry or just starting out. Mm -hmm. um, I'm so many people helped me that I'm happy to pass that favor on. Mm -hmm. I have people who come and they'll bring like their CVs and ask for help and then like not write down any mm -hmm. notes, mm -hmm. like literally like sit on their hands. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's so limiting. It is limiting, and I also I just got reminded. Uh, actually of a couple of my friends who are older than I am and much more successful professionally, mm -hmm. um, very successful people actually. And I remember that there were instances where we would be at the bar somewhere uh, or having a dinner and they would pull out a notebook like that small from the pocket yeah. and would make notes of our conversation and I thought it's just it's just brilliant. Yeah. It's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. That was my rant anyway. Yeah. Bring no. pen. <laughs> That's I mean I mean She uh, says with no pen. <laughs> it's 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 a valid it's a valid point. Yeah. Definitely. Um and yes, strategy, uh and advertising. Um it's it's an interesting time. It's a, it's a dying time. How, but how did you, how did you become a strategist? Was that something that you were interested in? Um, or again, it just happened to you? I just knew that I was academic and creative. Mm. And creative in a, because strategy is a lot of writing, a lot of mm. wordsmithing. Um, mm -hmm. I loved writing. I liked being creative, but I'm less technically skilled with my hands. Like, mm. I'm not, I'm not, I can't really, I mean, I should never say I can't. But I don't lean towards making things with my hands, mm -hmm. but I think creatively. Mm -hmm. And I was actually 18 and lost and mm. being a naughty 18 year old, which is what I do when I'm bored, mm. just run riot. <laughs> and I had an opportunity to go and spend some time in an agency and they let me just try every job. 
That's great. That was so cool. Um, I love that. Phenomenal opportunity. Um, so for two weeks, I just tried on every hat. And mm. I really like strategy. And so I just stuck at it. That's great. I think that's such a good piece of advice to if you have an opportunity or create an opportunity yeah. to um, try as many things as as you can. Yeah. I mean, really. I, that was like a two week experience. I offered my time, said I'll do anything, but I, I would love to try some things. Mm -hmm. Just, I don't know, put me on the, the, the average job in every team and I will just be there. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't take much for a company to just truck around a person for two weeks. Even if you do yeah. nothing, yeah. just let somebody sit in their room and listen. Because you don't know what you don't know. But That's true. You have no idea. So yeah. letting people in and letting them kind of peek behind the curtain. Mm -hmm. um, but then I, ended, like, I was able to work there for a few extra weeks because they ended up having some like very straightforward research in the strategy team. And mm -hmm. it was pretty cool. I think it's... Um... I think also it doesn't matter how old you are, you can do it at any age, right? Like if totally. you decide to change your career path or your life, generally yeah. speaking, nothing really is, the, the whole thing is that nothing is stopping you from uh, trying and changing your life and lifestyle, the job, things that you do. Nothing is really stopping you apart from your own self, right? Yeah. Um, you have to be prepared for people to say no mm -hmm. that's crazy and annoying and I don't need you in my way mm -hmm. you might have three people say that and then you might have someone who says yeah Whatever. but also I think the more you the more you knock on the doors the more the totally. more people you talk to you become after the fifth sixth time you become so kind of confident yeah. and and sure that this is the direction you want to go um, I think the tricky moment is in the very beginning to kind of step over the first block, the initial yeah. kind of barrier of, yeah. oh, maybe I'm not qualified or I'm not good, all this like all inner, this inner, inner voices yeah. that we all have. Um, but then it's just such a liberating feeling of saying, you know what, I, I think your company could benefit from what I have to offer. Yeah. Right. Or I could benefit from your company. Yeah, exactly. Which is also great. Yeah. It's a it's a different way of looking at it, and it's it's. And I think sometimes we're always we're so focused on the outcome. Uh -huh. So having an experience that isn't necessarily your next job, uh -huh. is just as important as the next job or opportunity or whatever that is. Yeah. And being able to say I, I'm, not sure exactly what I, I'm going to offer right now, but I would really like to learn from you. Mm-hmm. And then to just take that as a learning opportunity and not get attached to anything beyond that. And absorb and in some yeah. ways it's even it's like it's lighter because you don't you're not trying to get that thing at the end mm -hmm. and then you can apply those learnings to the next opportunity that comes along it's um, super important I think to mm -hmm. learn not to be not to have like not to be crazy about the result or outcome because I think most of our problems in life come from our search or desire or yeah. you know just to have to come to a closure to conclusion to have some kind of answer to the questions yeah. and then 
um, you get there and you realize this is not the question you wanted to ask. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the yeah. time you're like, okay, so I've done all this work uh, and, and, and I've uh, like, <laughs> I drove myself crazy. I drove all of my um, people in my life crazy along yeah. the way. And, and now I'm here. Now I know the answer. This is not the right question I was asking. Well, <laughs> speaking of coming, coming full circle for a yeah. second. That has been the biggest learning I've learned in strategy. Really? And the first thing that we do on all of our projects is make sure we're asking the right question. And sometimes you can spend weeks getting to the right question. So how do you, okay, so how do you get to the question, to the right question? Do you test? Do you, is there, is like, if someone wanted to take a lesson from you, what yeah. would you say, what would you recommend, what is the strategy to find the question to ask? Live in doubt, question everything. Uh, which is, someone, if you think about it, like we get a, we get a project and someone says, oh, this, this is broken, fix it. Mm -hmm. And you're like, is it broken? Why mm -hmm. is it broken? Where is it broken? How long has it been broken for? What is the impact of it being broken? Mm -hmm. You like unpick all of that, and when you you might say, ah, that's actually the source of the problem, mm -hmm. and you try and work backwards. Really, it's just a case of asking why as many times as possible, mm -hmm. which can be on a simple problem, yeah. just sitting for an hour with a pen, mm -hmm. just drawing out some of the things that you're noodling through in your brain. Yeah, on a big problem, it can be four weeks of research. Yeah, and hiring an anthropologist. Yeah. And studying the internet and meeting with consumers and digging mm -hmm. and digging and digging and digging yeah and then rewriting it sometimes it's a bit of both sometimes you wake up in the middle of the night and the problem's screaming at you um but it's a process and there's no there's no process yeah for working out the problem yeah. but there is a toolbox yeah and everybody has their own ways of doing it as well. Mm -hmm. It's a thought process as much as it is yeah. a physical process. I see. But I, I think I think this day and age, it's uh, such um, uh, such an important almost skill to have, right? To ask the questions and to um, work with information, mm -hmm. how to work with information. Mm -hmm. Because everyone wants to go to Google and, and, mm -hmm. and get the answers right away without doing an extra legwork yeah. or research, yeah. right? I don't even, I don't know, I, I mean, I was just having a conversation with some, a friend of mine, uh, we were talking about doing research in the old days and how we would go to libraries and sit with the books yeah. and, and go through the go pages. Through and then go back. Yeah, and yeah. Then, like, have and then, and, yeah, and have like 15 different notebooks, yeah. notepads for everything. and. It's, and it's great. I personally love that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm also very curious type of a person. I, I like digging through information and having those logical connections built yeah. and drawn. And uh, but I do realize that for a lot of people these days, it's an unknown kind of we territory. Just, we just don't give each. We don't give ourselves time. Yeah. We expected because the answer, a lot of answers are in Google, but not mm -hmm. always the answer. Tweet moment. Underline. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, that is great. So, 
isn't there a need for some kind of a official toolbox or 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 I don't know service or an app to help people to distinguish between the questions and questions answers and the answers I I fundamentally don't think that that is possible because I think that's where the human intuition comes in and which they haven't been able to program into computers yet yeah. Maybe in the future. But part of it, part of finding an answer, or the an- the answer, I should say, mm-hmm. is having a perspective yeah. on what that answer should be. <laughs> I kind of like, I want to pause for a second and uh, think deeper about that. Uh, this is just great. I, lo- I love that. I, I just have to say I love that. Um, and what a fascinating field to work in. Do you have those days when you think, oh my God, I'm so grateful I'm doing this and I work in this industry and this is, this is my job. I do. Yeah. And then I have days and I think, what is my job? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So many days because strategy is so in your brain. Mm-hmm. and how you think and how other people think and some days honestly it just makes absolutely no sense yeah and then other days you're like wow mm-hmm. this is so cool yeah like I just worked on a project where we were looking at what the future looks like in 2025 mm-hmm. in order to be able to answer a problem that we think we're going to have in 2025 mm-hmm. so it was so cool because it's like what is the world in 2025 what is the problem in 2025? What is our solution going to be in 2025? And like five years, one of the crazy things I didn't, when we were like helping frame this problem to our client, was like five years ago, there was no um, Google Home. Yeah. There was no Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. There was no Impossible Burger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, so what's going to happen in another five years? And on days like that, I'm like, Oh my gosh, this yes. is so cool. This is the power to do something in five years is literally in my hands. Someone is paying me to do it. How cool. Yeah. And other days you're sitting on a problem that's swirling in your brain. It doesn't make sense. And you're just like, what? It? And you're going home and you're like, I didn't do anything. I just sort of sat at my desk and like pontificated on like that. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what is, what is this? But I'm so grateful that this is my job. Yeah. It's pretty it's, cool. Uh, I hope you do recognize that there aren't too many too many people who think the same way about the job they do. Yeah. I mean, the other thing which is crazy with strategy is it's very intelligent people mm-hmm. with a little bit of ego. You have to have a little bit of ego to be able to think for a living and decide what other people do based on your thinking. Um, so you, is there like a fine line between having a little bit of ego? Yeah. And I, I sense that yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you say a little bit of ego, I feel like, whoa, yeah, whoa, yeah, whoa. Yeah. there's a little bit underlined. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, ego mixed with intelligence is there's brilliance in that. But you mm-hmm. also exist in a community of highly intelligent, crazy people mm-hmm. who are constantly one upping each other mm-hmm. and constantly thinking at higher and higher levels. So when I take a step back and I realize what my job is, in the context of the whole world, I'm like, this is so cool. Yeah. But it's also so easy to be stuck 
-hmm. in the pool of strategists and just think, am I stupid? Am I slow? Do I have any idea what's going on? Yeah. And I think, honestly, the feeling of, oh, like, not being good enough mm -hmm. is what actually drives a lot of strategists. Really? Yeah. How so? It's a streak that I've noticed in pretty much every strategist. This, this, this doubt, this fear. Wow. Which I think is, I mean, it's I mean, powerful. It's powerful and it's also healthy to all yeah, of us, totally, right? To totally. like kind of it's question not, yourself yeah. every so often. Uh, but our job is to question everything. So yeah. in the process, when I say live in doubt, question yeah. everything. Yeah. Because it is both the strongest trait, I would say, mm -hmm. and also some of the pitfalls being a strategist but then at the same time you do have to have that confidence to make decisions right totally so it's um it's very interesting and how do you um how do you sustain the level of confidence and how do you not lose yourself Don't. among all of these highly intelligent people it's really um it's you, not easy you identify when you lean into the pool mm -hmm. and when you lean out and there's times when the pool of intelligence is so inspiring and motivating and you get a new wind mm -hmm. and there's times when you think, no, I'm not going to compete mm. for this. This is not, this is not adding to my career, to my excitement about the job. It's actually just draining it. Mm -hmm. um, I personally think with age, I'm pulling out. Mm -hmm. In my youth, it was very inspiring. Yeah. And now I, I choose the people that inspire me and that I think are entirely freakishly intelligent mm -hmm. and way beyond my level, but that let me in and communicate at the same level as I am and don't compete. Because mm -hmm. there's, there's a comp competing for intelligence, yeah. not fun. Sharing intelligence, inspiring. Yeah. And that, that is a fine line. Yeah. Well, it's also a level of maturity, right? Where people don't stop competing. And, totally. and they open up to sharing yeah. where and that's also that speaks of their self-confidence where you know that this is what I know this is who I am and and I'm confident yeah. that me is me and yeah. nothing can really potentially yeah. ruin what yeah. I am and what I know about yeah. myself therefore if I share or not it doesn't gonna it's not gonna really change my core yeah. Totally. Whereas I feel like when, when people are less confident about their own self, yeah, that's where you're like, oh, no, no, I'm not going to share this yeah. because what if something's going to happen to my own? But it's amazing how other people's lack of confidence can be like contagious. This is interesting. Yeah. How, well, you mean when you work in a group, it can be contagious? So someone starts doubting. Well, I think there's a difference between like, so if we talk about confidence on its own, mm -hmm. there's a difference between like natural confidence that's coming from an internal well mm -hmm. that is there to confidence that is put on. Mm -hmm. And when you're around people who are putting on their confidence and really like pushing themselves out, mm -hmm. that is really, that is really draining. Yeah. But if, when you're with people who are naturally confident, it's actually very fulfilling, I find. Mm -hmm. um, and I think when you're around people who are like lacking confidence, but trying projecting confidence, mm -hmm. then everybody starts to do that in order mm -hmm. to kind of maintain this false level of mm -hmm. confidence. And then it just becomes a exhausting 
battle. <laughs> and and, you, and you find that you become less confident as, uh, yeah. uh, because of that. Yeah. Yeah. You should never have to compete to be more confident than one another, basically. Yeah. You should never ever have to compete. Yeah, that sounds like have, a stupid kind of hundreds uh, rage. of millions of people <laughs> with the same level of self-confidence, natural self-confidence in a room and nothing's gonna no no one's gonna win. Yeah. No one's gonna lose. Yeah. But as soon as you're projecting or trying to fake confidence or have a really deep sense or lacking sense of confidence, mm-hmm. then it becomes a battle. For no reason. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That was our confidence one on one. International Women's Day confidence confidence yes. edition. <laughs> well, it's you know what? More and more, I think um, most of the conversations we have, I have with people in in my circles, they all come down to to uh, to confidence, really, to how to be more confident because. The more confident you are about who you are in this world, the the more obvious your path becomes yeah. for you. So that makes it easier and lighter to like going through the daily challenges um, and learning how to be more confident. Yeah. That's the question. And confidence is not something that you gain mm-hmm. and then have for the rest of your life. Yeah. I agree. It's constantly something that you're working on and I don't think that your confidence goes up and down, mm-hmm. but I do think your confidence grows and then like anything in life, all of your expectations and your dreams and desires catch up to that mm-hmm. and your confidence has to grow a little bit more to get mm-hmm. you through like the next Well, I can next I level. can totally relate to that. I I've actually experienced my level of confidence going up and then going down to the very bottom. And then staying there for a number of years, mm. um, and only a couple of years, I've experienced that kind of process of digging myself out. Let me ask you a question, yeah. Nata. We need like paper so I can draw your graph. Yeah. So you start. Say so you started here. Uh-huh. You went up. Uh huh. Then you went back yeah. down. Back down. Yeah. But when you came back up again, uh-huh. was it in line with where you started? Or at a different level? Well, I'm in the process mm-hmm. of getting back to to the level I want to be. Um, I think I'm at the same level right now mm-hmm. as I used to be mm-hmm. many years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know that there is more. Yeah. And I, and I know that where I am meant to be is on a yeah. higher level, confidence-wise. Yeah. And I know that I'm, I'm becoming... That. Yeah, like see it, it's mm-hmm. glowing in the future. Yeah, no, I can I can totally sense that. Um, whether or not that move down the spiral was needed, I'm not sure about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm more of what is going on. Speaking of confident ladies, <laughs> here is one. <laughs> um, I sometimes I think, well, what if this whole scenario didn't happen? What, but then that wouldn't be me you know Um, I mean we can't really guess oh what my life would have been if this is not that is your life yeah this this is what I'm dealing with this is what I have but yes coming back to the confidence conversation 
definitely uh, it's not something that you have for your life and take for granted yeah. definitely and and plus there are a lot of people who will be really good to you and there will be people who will be so deep in their own misery that they will try to affect your confidence as well really? and try to make you smaller than you really are and that's where um, you knowing yourself and yeah. your own core and your own value that's when that comes into play yeah. where you need to sustain your level of confidence and say you know what guys I'm sorry you're having a bad day yeah. <laughs> you have your own shit you're dealing with but this should not touch yeah. my level of confidence in my core. It is fascinating when you're having a moment, either someone that you believe in or that you look up to or that you should be able to trust or mm -hmm. they should have confidence in you in some way and then you realize that actually they're the one who's trying to bring you down and you're like, ha ha, yeah. I now see. I yeah. now see what's happening. You can just kind of put them in a bottle mm -hmm. and just like move them to the side. Yeah. And just like focus on yourself and leave them in the corner. It's a great and a very empowering experience. I've experienced that too when you, you, I mean, I guess you develop that level of self-awareness mm -hmm. where you just notice those things. Yeah. Um, but then also, hopefully you also develop the level of empathy and love for other people where, I mean, I've had instances people were making fun of me, uh, people were not nice to mm -hmm. me and all that. Um, all I have for them till this day is a lot of love and, and compassion and empathy and, you know, I understand they're not coming from a good place either. Yeah. Uh, but then you have your own life to live Yeah. and you have to decide for yourself whether yeah. or not you want to lose your confidence or gain your confidence. You can have empathy. Yeah. Just from a distance. Yeah, exactly. That's, I feel like that's a very, uh, like a self-care yeah. kind of approach. Yeah. Which is, which is good. Yeah. It's not too like, you're not rejecting them. Mm -hmm. You're not trying to block them and like end that part of your life or any yeah. sort of high level drama, but you're just, they're over there. You're over here. Yeah. They can't touch you. You see them, but you don't need to invest in them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also a very mature way of dealing with people yes you, you grow to to yeah. to have that approach <laughs> wow um in the end of every conversation i have with uh, people on this podcast uh, i tend to ask the same question um what is it um what is it that makes you happy on a day-to-day -day basis oh the sun Sun makes me so happy. Yeah. I love waking up to light in the morning. Yeah. Like anything can be solved by just sitting outside and looking up at the sun. We're so lucky. Yeah. It's like the natural source of happiness and joy. Do you do you feel happy because it brings some uh, maybe memories or because that's where you grew up or just the, the love for for the being alive? Yeah, I think, you know, I grew up in Australia, so it was sunny all the time and it's summer all the time and you're outside mm. all the time. And I think uh, last year, especially through winter, I got a bit, I was sad mm -hmm. uh, because I didn't have this extreme exuberant outside 24-7, mm -hmm. 12 months of the year mm -hmm. life. And it made me really 
really value like the slithers yeah. of sunshine that you do get pretty much every day in the city mm -hmm. and a reminder that it's always there and yeah. I think before I was just taking it for granted and I speak of entitlement yeah I am a person who's entitled to the sun every day has to be outside and now uh -huh. it's not in, it's not being entitled about it it's about being like really humbled and really valued by like that little slither of sun you get in the middle of winter and it's always there yeah and you can have the, the, the shittiest of days and you can sit outside for five minutes and just close your eyes and like fill the warmth of the sun and it's like it's okay yeah it's just the little, little things that are making me happy this year last year I feel like it was the big things and yeah. the previous years it was like big moments of success and achievement and do you think the, the older you become the more little things become of more value yeah and I think you can I realizing I can be happier with a lot less Mm -hmm. yeah. it's so interesting it's like you can also draw a graph right like your yeah. age uh, becoming like this going up yeah. uh, thing and then the the size of happenings yeah. of events becoming smaller yeah. in order to satisfy and make you happy I mean we talked about birds earlier today but if I had heard myself say this a year ago, two years ago, like, what makes you happy? A little slither of sunshine, a little chirp of a bird, I would have been thinking that I'm living in my own Disney princess reality. <laughs> but, like, but they do, those little slithers of recognition that there's other life and that the planet is alive and yeah, how cool that we get to live this happy, sunny life. That, that, makes that, me happy. That, that makes me happy too. And it makes me happy that they're people in this world who recognize those things recognize that life is not about um material or physical things most of the time so it's, yeah. it's it's really those little things that yeah. make, us, make us happy um so sarah and yes, the last Sarah. the last question <laughs> if um people want to find you oh how would they do that where can they find you? That is the hardest question. Besides the digital world, maybe there are places where um, other young strategists can uh, dig into your pool of knowledge and, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really existing in the strategy pool as much okay. at the moment. But if some young, old, wise, budding <laughs> strategist better strategists than myself wanted to connect. I'm on LinkedIn for uh -huh. work things. I really, I don't mind being contacted by LinkedIn. Okay. Sarah Ellsmore. So we'll put uh, your yeah. link to your, if you don't mind. No, no, um, not at all. I'm always up for a chat or a coffee. Just bring a pen. <laughs> I love that. Well, bring uh, a pen your questions. <laughs> yeah. bring, bring, bring a pen and your questions. Be prepared and uh, enjoy uh, the spring weather in New York and wherever you are um, the birds as well the Sun um, thank you so much for today's conversation thank this, you so much the, for me. this was so insightful so insightful and I'm honestly it's so meaningful to to have you on International Women's Day today and having conversations about uh, confidence and the future of strategy 
uh, and living in a big city and finding a place, it's also so very important for all of us. Um, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, and thank you guys for joining and listening. I'm sure you found this conversation super insightful, just as I did. Um, and um, I hope to see you next week.